I remember I remember the scale covered in white powder all the time because I'm mixing up pre-workout. Dude's on my floor would come to my room, knock on the door. I give him this white baggie of pre-workout. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, dude. Were you slanging? <laughs> Not what you were doing. <laughs> it looks like I'm dealing drugs out there. Yeah, make sure you take this pre-workout <laughs> off, the, off the lid of your toilet in your dorm bathroom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that the best picture we've seen? It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So, man. Your internet's pretty good there. It's fiber. <laughs> well, we, we have fiber. <laughs> In a box. Yeah. Well, we're here with uh, Nick Bear, founder and CEO of Bear Performance Nutrition, a wellness and performance products company out of Austin, Texas. Um, we wanted Nick to come on uh, because he has an unbelievable story of, first of all, how he started the company, but now how... He keeps continuing to grow the company and, and what all he had to go through to get to this point um, is, and, and, you know, Darren and I use Bear Perform. I don't yeah. know if Tyler has. You yet, know what? Like, hey, listen, Nick, let's, like, let's cut the shit. <laughs> this dude right here, right next to you, is your biggest hey, fan. I got my ever. I got no, my BPN hat on, on right now. Get your cup. This is get your cup. Grab yeah. your cup. I got, I got my every, hat. I got my cup. I'm ready to roll every single day for how many months? Six months now, or is it longer? Yeah, he wears that hat with a suit. Like, not kidding you. Like, it's weird sometimes. <laughs> like, can dude, you, you got to take him, it off? Can you send him another cup though? <laughs> There's no, no way that there. He never washes. I don't wash it. Ever. I don't. I don't. No. Nothing. Do something with that thing, man. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah, man. God. No, I, like I said, I, I discovered you. I, I don't know how long it's. It's been a couple years, probably now. And I've been doing. I'm a meathead, so I've been doing <laughs> whey protein for 15 years. And you guys have the best tasting whey protein by far that I've ever tried. Uh, Pre workouts, great, strong. You know, and we'll talk about the, the supplements a little bit later, but. That's what initially got me hooked. It wasn't. It wasn't how famous you are on, you know, social media or whatever. It was the actual the products, which is what you want as a, as a business owner, um, oh, obviously. Absolutely. And then Darren, obviously, you know, yeah. strong greens and strong greens, uh, love awesome. that stuff. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, but but what more incredible more incredible than the products is your story. And so what we want to do, and, and you know, you've been pretty open about your journey, and and most of your fans and, and people that follow you know your story. But the people that listen to this podcast may not be all aware or, or super familiar. So we want to take it back and back to childhood in, in Pennsylvania, because uh, you've talked about multiple times how there was nothing really special about you growing up. You were just kind of an average dude, you know, average student, average athlete, everything like that. So what was life like in Pennsylvania growing up? Tell us a little bit about your family and what that was like. Yeah, I mean, I recently uh, in January, I launched a book called 25 Hours a Day that kind of like breaks the story down because I think it is a really powerful story. Um, and it starts back in, in Pennsylvania. So I grew up in this small town called Palmyra, which is right outside of Hershey, Pennsylvania, where, you know, they make all, or that's where all Hershey chocolate was founded. Um, and we were from a small town right next to it. So my parents' backyard was my best friend's farm field. So that paints a picture like central, central Pennsylvania is just, it's farm fields forever. Uh, my dad's side of the family were dairy farmers. Uh, my mom's side of the family, uh, a lot of them were in the military. So like, I think I had this like, very interesting dynamic growing up where like, I had this, this baseline of understanding what work was, but not, not putting it on a pedestal. Like my, you know, I, 
my dad's dad, dairy farmer, waking up every morning, never skipping a day, milking the cows, every night not having that, an option milking the cows. And then my mom's side of the family being in the military. So like that baseline of discipline was, was instilled in me early on. Um, and I didn't really realize it until later on in life. I just thought that was kind of just like a normal standard. Mm. So for you, the it, it was almost just more of what you saw as opposed to anything you were ever told. Yeah, I mean, that's what I put it. Like, we were never told, do this, do that. It was by observation and, and watching them. And it was kind of just like, that was so fully instilled in me growing up. And I got, and I, I watched, like, my uncle join the military and go on multiple deployments. I watched my cousin join the military, go on multiple deployments. And I saw the way they changed and developed as, as people and leaders through that process. And for me, that was like, well, that's, that's the step I want to take next. I want to have that, that transformation. And like early on, I think that's what stems the, the idea of wanting to join the military at some point in my life. Yeah. So that leads you into, you went to, to college there in, Pens- in Pennsylvania. Or, yeah, that's right. Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. So and, I mean, I guess that kind of reinforces, like, like I said, I, I was no like stud athlete. I was no stud student growing up. I didn't get into any of my like select colleges that I wanted to go to to study. Um, so like by default, I went to the school in Western Pennsylvania. It was called the Indiana University of Pennsylvania. I don't know anyone that didn't get into that school. That's why. <laughs> um, but I was like, you know, like three hours away, I wanted to go to South Carolina. I wanted to go to college at Charleston. I was like, okay, I wanted to push South. Mm. Um, ended up, you know, staying in the area kind of, but I received an army ROTC scholarship my junior year of high school. And I decided to study nutrition in college. So I knew that after my four years in college, I was going to be graduating and then I would commission into the army as uh, an officer in the military. So I, I decided that like junior year of high school, that's what I wanted to do. Applied for the scholarship. At the time, the scholarship was like, it wasn't difficult to, to get. At the time, if you applied for it, you pretty much would get it. And um, now it's super competitive. But essentially that scholarship paid for my full tuition, paid for my books. Mm. Um, it gave me a monthly stipend. So like by the end of my you know, senior year in college, I was getting paid 500 bucks a month, which would last me like 12 hours. And, <laughs> uh, and, and that's kind of what led me into that path. Well, what kind of kid were you growing up though, Nick? I mean, did you have it, were you structured in a way or was it more so that you were a freelancer or, you know, what I'm go- trying to get to is I- I'm trying to figure out because you have a, your entrepreneurial spirit is amazing. So what kind of kid were you? Were you creative when you're when you were younger? I was I was super creative. Like I was I was a quiet kid, but I was always and I didn't I didn't really realize it until I started writing the book. But when I was younger, when I was like twelve, I got really into building things. So like we, we grew up in this neighborhood that was brand new. So I do dumpster diving. I'd carry my like my uh, wagon around, I'd dump in the dumpsters, I'd pull out wood, I'd bring it back to my parents' house. In the backyard, I'd build, you know, forts. I'd build, uh, like, wine racks for my mom. I'd build, like, all these little things. They didn't look great at the time, but, like, I remember being 12 years old for Christmas asking for a jigsaw and a table saw. Yeah. And then um, then I got really into lawn care. I was just, like, obsessed with, like, making lawns look really good. So I hung posters around town. I'd push my lawnmower you know, sometimes like up to two miles to mow a lawn because I didn't, I couldn't mm. drive at that time. I didn't have a license. Um, I remember this one time I got this one lawn 
And usually I'd get like 30 bucks a lawn. And these people were like, we'll pay you $75. At the time, I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> rich. So much money. Yeah, I thought I was rich. And uh, so that was like a passion of mine. And then I got really into cooking. So I was like always trying to like create all these different recipes. So I think it boils down to when I was younger, I would find these passions and they, they would burn really hot while I was mm. there. But I loved creating. It was creating something. And ultimately that turned into wanting to create a business. And once I found that, I was like, wow, this, this makes complete sense. This works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talk us through graduating from college and making that transition in the military. Um, you, you made that decision, like you said, your junior year of high school. But what was the reality uh, as opposed to the expectation of what the military was really like, you know, going through basic training, going through officer training, going through all that? Yeah, so I, so I did four years of Ar- Army ROTC, graduated in 2013, uh, commissioned in the Army as a second lieutenant as an infantry officer. So I then was sent down to Fort Benning, Georgia. I was in Fort Benning, Georgia for a year, and um, when I arrived at Georgia, it was like it was like my life was like starting over. It was like one of the best feelings ever because for the longest time I just, I wanted to get out of Pennsylvania. So I finally get out of Pennsylvania. I roll my truck up to this apartment complex near Fort Benning, Georgia, and I'm just like I was like I felt like I was living the life. You know, brand new infantry officer, just graduated college. Um, Started, started my infantry officer basic course, which was 17 weeks. And like nine of those weeks was spent in and out of the field. So we were training, we were shooting weapons, uh, we were learning, you know, leadership development stuff. And it was, I mean, it was fun. Like I, I built this really strong group of friends we'd be in and out of the field with. And I was there for like, like 16, 17 weeks. And immediately after finishing infantry officer basic course, I was sent to ranger school and ranger school was where like it really started becoming like a humbling mm. experience. Um, cause it's a 61 day course. However, only like less than 50% of the people go straight through. Uh, you can recycle phases for, for whatever reason. And the date that I started ranger school, it was considered the best ranger course date. So essentially if I would have recycled or failed any phase, there was a six week holdover before I could start that school over again. So it was like February 23rd, uh, 2014, yeah, 2014. And I entered that school. I failed the first phase. So I have a six week holdover. So I'm at Fort Benning, Georgia for six weeks. Um, not able to leave the school. So essentially we're like, we're cleaning ponds. We're cleaning woods, like picking up, you know, for example, they go, hey, hop on this boat, go in this pond right here, clean out all the algae. Hey, go in the woods right here. Any piece of wood that's bigger than a foot needs to be cleared out of this acre lot. Just kind of like bullshit stuff because they were preparing for this big event in Fort Benning, Georgia. That happens every year. Mm. So the six weeks is over. I lose all this muscle. I'm not training. Enter the school again. I pass. I move on to the second phase, which is in mountain phase in Dahlonega, Georgia, fail that phase. So I have to do that phase over again. At this point, you know, I went to ranger school weighing like 220 pounds probably. And after my second phase in mountains, I was probably down to like 170. Wow. Maybe, maybe lower. Like I remember, 
I remember coming in from the field and I, I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror and I had to like stop, step back and look at myself because it was, it was all skin and bones. Mm. Um, because I mean, you're not, you're not really eating, you're not sleeping at all. You're walking up mountains all day and night. Then I passed that phase. I go to the last phase, Florida, pass that straight through. And I, I mean, I have ranger school stories for days because I was there for this is a 61 day course. I was ended up being there for 145 wow. something days. Wow. So I started in February, graduated in July. And that experience right there completely transformed my life. Hey, Nick, talk through yeah. those failures, right? Yeah. It, it sounds like when you were a young kid, you had a passion and, okay, I went and executed and then, okay, I accomplished that goal and then I go to the next. But talk about that mindset of, okay, maybe for the first time outside of not getting into the college that I wanted, like I really was faced with failure and I now had to go regroup and go and, and, and complete that task that I set for myself. What was that mindset through you know the first failure and then second failure? I mean, it was like, it was like mentally the most difficult thing I had to do because it was, you're isolated in this school where there's no distractions in the outside world. And the only way you're leaving is you quit, you fail, or you finish. You don't want to quit because you don't want to go to your unit being known as a quitter. You don't want to fail because you go to your unit known as a failure and you want to pass because you want that ranger, ranger tab. So it was like the true test of adversity that I could have ever experienced. And those experiences as a whole, completely like for the rest of like for the rest of my life, that has set a new baseline of okay, you set a vision, you set a mission, and you literally don't stop until it's until it's finished, until it's complete. Because like the first time I failed that first phase, like it hurt. It sucked. The mm -hmm. second time I failed the second phase, that one hurt. That one hurt even more. That was brutal. So it was like learning how to come back after that stuff mm -hmm. was like the new standard of, okay, with anything else in my life after this will not be as difficult as that was. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so taking it back, cause that's your, that's your military aspect. But while you were in college is when you started BPN. Is that correct? Yeah. So I started my, my business between my junior and senior of, of, um, of college. Yeah. So talk to, yeah, talk to us through that because there's thousands of supplement companies. So yeah. what was the reason that you wanted to start it? And then obviously we'll have more follow-up questions after that, but what was the main reason you wanted to start at BPN? Yeah. I mean, I was a freshman in college. I remember that me and my friends had no money left in our bank account, but we loved taking pre-workout before going to the gym. Yeah. So like we all like, we all threw like $30 into a hat. And we bought all these ingredients in bulk. And we bought all these ingredients in bulk. We could mix up our own pre-workout. So we were buying like caffeine, citrulline malate, beta alanine, uh, creatine. And I bought this food scale that was in my... Did you did you have any idea what you were doing? Or did you just kind of read some stuff and say, hey, let's, let's throw all this together and see what happens? I knew what ingredients I wanted to use. Well, there's that cooking and, background, right? All of these things true, like yeah. played into it. Hey, what's the worst? Heart attack? No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I didn't take into consideration is I bought a food scale at Walmart and it measured in grams. For a lot of these ingredients, you need to weigh out in milligrams, you know? Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so, 10. <laughs> 10 what? 10 grams. Are you sure it's not 10 milligrams? <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't kill ourselves. But, so. 
And the beta alanine was actually this blue rock that was like kind of crushed up a little bit. <laughs> Made your face tingle. <laughs> For real. I remember I remember this scale covered in white powder all the time because I'm mixing up pre-workout. Dudes on my floor would come to my room, knock on the door. I'd give them this white baggie of pre-workout. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, dude. Were you slanging? <laughs> Not what you were doing. <laughs> It looks like I'm dealing drugs down there. <laughs> yeah, make sure you take this pre-workout off the off the lid of your toilet in your dorm bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Nick, had you ever heard of liability insurance at that point? <laughs> that was like the least of my worries. Oh. <laughs> but I, I remember the first time we did this, because we couldn't measure out caffeine or beta alanine really enough. Like our skin was like our face on fire. The caffeine was practically a gram of caffeine. Yeah. And we eventually refined our formula, you know. But yeah, I would say you probably needed to. <laughs> so between my junior and senior year of college, I had to go to this assessment uh, evaluation for the military, where essentially you get assessed through all the other ROTC kids in the nation, and based off your assessment, determines what you do in the army. So, like, I consider this like a pivotal point in my life because up until this point, I never thought of myself as like exceptional in anything. I thought I was just always average. But this military evaluation training, like they based like there's three evaluations. It was like an N meaning like no go, an S meaning like satisfactory, or an E for like excellent. And everyone wanted to get an E at this camp. I ended up like excelling, getting an E and, and like placing really high at this evaluation. So I came back from this camp thinking, well, shit, I have this newfound confidence. Like, what else can I do with this? Mm. So it was like perfect timing because. The Military Associated Bank, USAA, they uh, they offer ROTC cadets their last year in school a loan up to $25,000. And you don't have to start making payments on that loan for like 18 months, super low interest rate. So all my friends took down this loan. They bought like new cars. They got engagement rings. Yep. Uh, they went on vacations. I was like, shit, this is my golden ticket. I'm going to start a company with $20,000. Awesome. Yeah. And see, there goes that entrepreneurial spirit, but that's yeah. something like I, I'm listening to your story and it's to me that started at a young age because you weren't satisfied. And you, you mentioned earlier that you wanted to get out of the area you're in. Was that the yeah. driving force? Is that I don't want to go back or what, what was the driving force within you that said, I want to, I, I need to go do this point a B and C to get to where I want to be. I mean, I think it was always just like, um, I love creating for myself. Like I like, I like starting things from scratch. I think maybe it's where like it stems from like construction and building things. I like creating things on my own and building them up. And it's not necessarily like the, the beginning, the end, but it's like the, the process in between that I really enjoyed. And that's still what I enjoy about BPN is like the process we're in right now of growing, scaling, building. But when I started, it was just like, looking back, I was obviously very ignorant to the fact that what starting a business would consist of. Mm-hmm. But I knew at the time it's what I wanted to do. And I'm a very impulsive person. So if there's something I want to do, I act on it right then and there. Right. I just, I'm like a very action-driven person. Like if there's something I want to do, I just take massive action on it. Well, how do you, okay, so in saying that, being an entrepreneur and having your own business, and I know I'm probably jumping ahead, I had to take off a little bit. I may, I may have missed something. But in saying that, how do you deal with conflict? Because you've had to deal with conflict and confrontation your entire life. It sounds like, especially when you're in ranger school, you got to deal with some certain things. How have you personally had to deal? How have you dealt with those conflicts? 
you know, a lot of it's perspective. And a lot of time when you get bogged down in, in conflict or a problem or an issue, a lot of times you instantly go to like tunnel vision and you're so focused on that conflict that you can't see the big picture perspective of things. I think one of the things I'm proficient at and I'm getting better at and I've gotten better at is when stuff like that happens, pull yourself away, look at it 10,000 feet, look at the perspective, look at the moving pieces. It's like throwing a helicopter in the air on a battlefield. When you're on the battlefield, you see just the people in front of you and what's going on. You can't see big picture. So they throw you know birds up in the sky to see big picture to paint you a picture of what's going on on the ground. Yeah. I think having that perspective within conflict or problems or issues is like that makes the biggest difference. You can see the yeah. whole field. Yeah. So you said the, the whole thing started was because you didn't have any money in your account and you love pre-workout. So you were just throwing a bunch of ingredients together. At what point though, did it turn from, Hey, we're just trying to get a good pump session here mm-hmm. to, Hey, this could be a business and this could be something I do long-term. I mean, I think I, I was thinking about it a lot when I was at this training camp. So that's why when I came back, I took out this loan. I got approved for this loan. I found a manufacturer, placed a production order for for flight. Uh, that was like our first, you know, flagship product, our pre workout. After you know, probably a few months of testing and R and D and flavor profile design and stuff like that, I placed a production order with this manufacturer. I found, and from there, it was like, okay, now I got to figure out how to build a business. You know, we had like 12 week production lead times at that, at that point. So in those 12 weeks, you know, I spent all the money on inventory. So I had a friend build on our website. I had a friend design our, our labels for free. And, um, I had a friend who was a photographer who I dieted down, got lean, did photos for the site. Really just built all of this in my college apartment after class, before class, around RTC. And I told my dad, I was like, hey, I'm launching a supplement company. I'm going to send like bottles to YouTubers to review. And I guarantee year one, we make a million dollars. Like I've crunched the numbers, a million dollars. How did the dairy farmer, how did he take that? He said, if it was that easy, everyone would do it. <laughs> <laughs> now, was there a company that you were modeling yourself after? Or was there a company that you thought, okay, here's, you know, if these slappies can do it, I can do it. Yeah, exactly. There had to be someone that you were looking at saying, I can do this. Yeah, I mean, I think at the time, I was looking at all the people in the market, and the market then is so different than it is now. Yeah. Like, the, the supplement space has changed so much. At the time, everyone was using proprietary blends. So my competitive advantage was, well, I'm not going to use proprietary blends. Break that down, and, what a proprietary blend is, for those that may not know. Yeah, so essentially... And it's not, it's not as big in the industry as it used to be, but it used to be big where, say, for example, you have this bottle of pre-workout and it says there's an energy blend and that blend is five ingredients, but they don't, and they list maybe 20 ingredients in there. If it's in a blend, they don't have to tell you how much of each ingredient is in that blend. Mm-hmm. So the reason companies do this is because they can put a little bit of the expensive ingredients and a lot of the cheap ingredients, right. As a put it all behind down. a blend, put it all behind a blend and say, here's our energy blend. Now there are some blends in the market that are, are trademarked, um, like patented blends that ingredient suppliers create, mm-hmm. but that's for their own protection. Mm-hmm. 
but a lot of, a lot of companies uh, back then, like 2012, were using blends to hide their formulas because it was a crap formula. Is that is that because the industry was just not regulated? So they're like, we're just going to call it that. So a marketing play, our proprietary blend that we put it together, it's not regulated. So we're going to say that we've got you know caffeine and arginine and all these you know ingredients that typically go into pre workouts. And we're just going to do it because it's a marketing play to say that we put them in, but we really didn't. It was a marketing play. They call it pixie dusting. Yeah. So you're just pixie dusting the expensive ingredients. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was taking advantage of a uneducated consumer. Mm, right. Because yeah. it, you know, 2012, the consumer wasn't as educated as they are now. Mm-hmm. So it was these guys in the industry getting started. They were saying, well, we'll sell it this way. Mm-hmm. And people made a, a shit ton of money doing it. Yeah. Now I remember, so 2008, uh, so it, I played football in college and so we couldn't take anything in the NCAA. Like, I mean, they said, well, if you take protein powder, you're going to test positive yeah. for mm. performance enhancers. And we're like, what? Which by the way, we're going to get to what you guys are doing for that, for yeah. that exact reason. Yeah. Um, but then I go to Canada, right? <laughs> Wild West up there, right? Like zero testing. <laughs> but I remember I took no explode. You remember no explode? Yeah, I mean, I is that no still, oh, and, yeah. and I remember I, I wanted to die. Like I literally, because one, like there was this like crazy instant, like caffeine rush, but then my stomach, and this was like before a game I took Mm. and I remember my stomach, like I felt like I had an alien inside of my stomach because it like bloated me up so much. If you ever drink, no explode, like it foamed up in your mouth and it was just, it was (laughs) gnarly, dude. I remember it was like fizzy. Yeah. 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 It was, man, it was wild. So I can imagine, I mean, just a couple years after that, like, cause that was like really, I mean, historically that was one of the first pre-workouts that kind of led the charge on, on, on it. Was it? No, I mean, was, I think so. That was the first one I ever took. Yeah. Yeah. And after, after I took that, that's not hooked on pre-workout. I was like, man, I don't want to train ever again. With no, that. no, no. Hey, no. I still have yet to work out without a pre-workout since, <laughs> since 2012. <laughs> so you, you talked about your buddies were kind of on this journey with you, but I got to think that the majority of people were sitting there looking at you thinking, what does this guy think he's doing? Oh, 100%. I know, like, I was a joke. I was a joke to people when I started this. And, um, yeah, I remember soon after I launched BPN, I went back home, and I was at this bar in downtown Harrisburg. And all these dudes that I graduated high school with were there, and everyone chanting in the bar, BPN. Like, all these dudes. But they weren't doing it to, like, cheer me on. They were doing it to make fun of me. Mm, so I was like putting myself out there. I was like trying to put myself on videos and camera and it was uncomfortable and it was awkward, but everyone just assumed that it would, it would fail. Right. Um, even like, I remember like my, my grandpa, like the farmer, he was just like, well, you're like, this is stupid. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> you're not like e-commerce will never be a thing. And, um, oh yeah. Early on, it was like doubters and hate from everyone yeah i mean you, you gotta love it though yeah how much motivation you, uh, was yeah that? it had to be that real motivation to say i'm gonna prove every last one of you mm, yeah i can't say the word but oh that's never wrong. stopped you in the past yeah no it was like it was definitely a driving force behind it um and like i knew i wanted to do something bigger than i like i knew my my mind was elsewhere than where everyone else was looking mm-hmm. like everyone else i grew up was okay we'll graduate college become an architect get a job same hometown go to college get a job stay in the same hometown a lot of them did 
and I was like, man, I want to graduate college and get out of here. Mm. Like, I don't know what I want to do necessarily, but I know I want to do something different. I don't want to be here. Maybe I'll come back eventually, but I need to explore. Like, I need to see what's out there. And I knew, I knew college and then joining the military, those two experiences would lead me to where I had to go next. Yeah. yeah. So we've talked to a lot of people on this podcast about motivation, mindset and all that. And and you, we've mentioned a couple just recently, you know, some, sometimes people, it, they want to escape, right? They want to get out of their current situation. Darren's got a similar story getting out of the, you know, the, the ghetto as mm. Michael Irvin says yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in Phoenix. And then others like, Hey, I'm just hungry, right? Like I'm hungry. And then others are motivated by, um, by the haters, right. And proving people wrong. That's probably more of my story. Um, but it sounds like you just internally, right. Like wanted, wanted greatness from yourself. You just innately had something inside of you that motivated you that it's, I mean, from what you've just responded is that I could block out everything else. Right. And I'm, and I'm not worried about what you're saying, but internally that is my motivation, not an external source, whether it was my living situation or the haters or success or whatever, but there's something in you that just, because being a builder, right? Building yeah. something, the drive for that. So again, and I know we keep asking this in all, all different ways. Do you feel like, you know, watching your dad be a farmer or your mom's side on the military side, what do you think cultivated that inside of you? Or do you think that was something that you were born with? Cause that's a topic we discuss yeah. all the time. Yeah. Are you born with it? Or are you, are you bred? Or are you, are you raised into it? Yeah. I think you nailed like You nailed that on the head where someone asked me this. I was on Instagram story. I was Instagram live last night when I was running on the treadmill. And don't any multitask by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know how you do anything while you're running, but <laughs> it made it go by, made it go by very, very fast. Don't ask me like, now, who who motivates you? Like, who's your motivation? And I respond the same way. I said, it's all internal. Mm-hmm. It's always been internal. Um, it's just, it's things that I want out of my life. It's things that I want to do. And really, like the reason I do a lot of things now is because the people in these walls right here. Like mm-hmm. I have now have responsibility for a team, and that that's what drives me. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you, you you nailed that on the head. But I think like growing up watching my parents and watching my grandparents and then going to the military, you know, I, I, I have this thing where I say like people use the word grind and hustle all the time and it never really resonated with me because like I'd see my grandpa and my dad like wake up and go work, but there was never like, oh, got to go like keep grinding. Got to keep like, it's just like, it's what you had to do. And I joined the military and I watched like non non-commissioned officers and soldiers they were just like do what they had to do. It was never like, it was never put on this pedestal. Like the work was never put on the pedestal. Like work is just what has to be done to get the job done. So like I really resonated with that and instilled that in my life where it's like, it's just what has to be done to get to that next step. Mm-hmm. And like that's what motivates me to keep moving forward. It's like continuous progress. Right. Yeah. How like, much sleep have you gotten? No, seriously. How much sleep over the last, how many, how many years went? Okay. So you're in the military, 2012. How much sleep have you gotten or how much, (laughs) yeah, seriously, because like to the hour, like we need the exact because I mean, it's almost like when you look at certain people and, and, and when I'm looking at Nick right now and and for the viewers, they can't see him. I'm looking at him right now and there's more, he's being coy. I don't think you're being like, look, man, I think there's some dog. I'm serious. There's something in him that fought through so many things in his life 
that said, listen, I'm the dude. Uh, I'm going to put you on my back and carry you. There's there's something in you that that's that's there, man. Tell us about that that dude. I want to know the Nick that's like, hey, I'm the guy and I'm carrying this this group and I'm and BPN is going to be the best. Uh, you know, you know, BPN is going to be everything, and it's going to be uh, that product that's going to sell to 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 every to the masses. Tell me about that dude. I think I just got to dig. Like, I did a podcast on this the other day where like my thing is I just like I just keep digging like if you told me in order for me to get to where I want to be I have to dig the center of the earth I'm going to keep digging until like it kills me mm. you, know, like, you know like the picture where there's one guy up top there's one guy on bottom yep. and there's a dime at the end and the one guy up top stops like an inch short and the guy on the bottom finally reaches it but he's digging for another year or something I'm the guy that just keeps digging mm. we're like doesn't matter like how hard things get or how difficult things get. I'm going to keep putting like one foot in front of the other. And I think it's these small things that happened throughout my life since like starting even when I was younger, but like specifically military ranger school, I think ranger school specifically, it's interesting because two people can go through the same situation. Like I guarantee I can talk to one other person who went through ranger school and their perspective is completely different from mine. They might say like, Oh, that whole thing sucked. It was a waste of my time. Like, I didn't learn anything. But me, I'm like, that changed my life. Yeah. Like, I, I have massive perspective from that mm-hmm. school. So everything I learned there, like, that's where I learned to dig. That's where, like, I've never been so tired. I've never been so hungry. I've never been so out of it in my life. So from that experience, like, well, I know how, I now know how to dig. And I can dig out of anything I, need, I get into. And I'll, like, that will be my driving force. Okay, so so elaborate on that because if if that's your driving force, and I'm just going to keep digging and keep digging and keep digging. Now there's this idea of contentment, right? When do I get to that point where either I look back and say, "Hey, I'm really glad I'm where I'm at. I've accomplished something," or okay, now you know I've achieved those goals or I've gotten to this point. I mean, or because I know something that we all struggle with, right, is we're always looking at what's next, right? And we're not necessarily enjoying that journey because like you, we have this mentality, hey, we've got to keep working it. We got to do what we got to do. We got to do what we got to do. But then sometimes it's like, do we miss out on life, right? Do we miss out on things because we're chasing that next goal? So for you, I mean, and maybe you haven't materialized, okay, hey, when I get to this point, that at that point I do this. But for you, what is that mindset of contentment or enjoyment or presence? You know, we talk mm-hmm. we talk about being present in the time and enjoying it as opposed to just, you know, that head down, eyes up, keep going. I kind of look at it like, I look at it as a big goal and goal, small goals within. Mm-hmm. Like the big goal, I don't know if anyone that's driven ever reaches that big goal. Yeah. You keep, you keep moving like the big goal, you keep slowly inching forward. So within that is these small cycles. And within those small cycles, there's times where you really dig and then you accomplish that mission, that project. And then you let those systems that you've just built while digging play out and develop. And then you go back into like maybe a digging phase again. So like the last seven months for me was a really deep dig. And we, we tripled our business in the last seven months because of the dig. But during that, we've hired more people. We've built all these new systems. We're about to launch our new site here in the next couple of days. And that has allowed me now to delegate and I can let off the reins a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like within this big goal of life, you have to break it down these small cycles 
And sometimes you you have to just like there's no other option. You have to just put the work in. Yeah. Well, I but think then, I think, and I'm just going to say this about Ben is that his big goal he's already accomplished. So I don't know what else <laughs> by by working with Bear Nutrition like that is the one goal now. Like he can just die. It doesn't matter for yeah, him. Yeah. So now what does he have to look forward yeah, to? Like, I might as well go now. Full time athlete, baby. Yeah, exactly. exactly. What I'm curious about is you you said that first year you're full of piss and vinegar and we're going to make a million dollars. What was your what was your first year revenue? What did it end up being? Uh, First year we did twenty thousand in revenue, so <laughs> pretty we close. Were, but we were deep in the red, man. That, that oh, was not man. profitable. The first three years, year one we did twenty thousand, year two we did twenty thousand, year three we did twenty thousand, and then my accountant told me to close the business. Mm. Um, and I said, you know, fuck you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scale yeah, it. Yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> Put you in the hater did. list. <laughs> so, yeah. but why? Where did that attitude? I mean, I know where the attitude comes. You've already explained it. But that had to be hurt to see three years in a row of twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, it really hurt, and I think part of it was. I mean, I was working full time in the military, trying to scale this brand. I was trying to figure out how to grow a business. I started the business in two thousand twelve. I didn't start social media until two thousand fourteen, and it was these small little wins that I picked up along the way, where like maybe my social media grew a little bit. So then sales started to grow a little bit and I was learning a little bit more here and there. And, and we had these small wins this first like four years, but there was never like a moment where it was like, bam, this hit big. It was just a small little progress we kept making. Oh, I love that right there. That's yeah, such a say, good point the right small, there. Yep. The small victories throughout are just enough to keep that carrot dangling, just enough to keep you, keep you going towards that. That's awesome. Yep. So talk about, like you just mentioned, Growing a growing a company while you have a full time job doing something else and your focus is complete because the military and supplements don't really they're not the same industry obviously so right. how do you grow a company while putting your time into one hundred percent something else? So I was a single officer in a brand new city where I knew no one else, and when I first arrived to Fort Hood, Texas, my my unit was in Germany for like three months. So I had like three months of a lot of downtime. I was still going to work, but it wasn't that much because my unit was gone. So that's when I was like, all right, I'll start social media up. So I started a YouTube channel during that time. And I started filming before going to work. I'd go to work. You know, I'd be at work at like 6 a.m. If we weren't in the field, I'd be back by like 5.30 p.m. As soon as I got back from the Army job, I pick up my camera, I go to the gym, I start filming. I'd film until 9 or 10 p.m. I'd edit, post the video the next day. Same thing, five days a week. Weekends then, I would go into Austin. I would like vlog. I would just document my life. Um, I was trying to figure out social media in the beginning. But it was every waking moment I wasn't in the Army doing stuff. At home, I was working on my personal brand and the business. And... It wasn't until I actually went to South Korea with the army that we really scaled the brand, which I thought was going to be the death of the brand. So we end up going with nine month rotation in South Korea. And when we get there, I was like, you know, I'll bring my camera stuff just in case I can film some stuff. And I realized, well, I'm typically working my regular job back in the States. However, there's less distractions because I'm a different country. Mm-hmm. And I can't do so much. So I just doubled down 
and I spent more time working in South Korea. And that's where, like, that's where we hit our first six figures um, when I was actually stationed there. VPN hit first six figures when I was there. All right, so every day is Christmas, and, and out of your 1,100-square-foot house, at that point, and you said you just signed a lease uh, for, for, your first, for your first warehouse, but at that point, I know you loved it, but did you ever anticipate where you're at today? No, I mean, I remember writing down some of my like all time goals as a business. I was like, man, if we ever just hit these numbers, um, I'll be happy. Yeah. Like, lifetime business. And we surpassed those already. That's awesome. So it's like, yeah. So that's, that's the crazy part is it took a long time to pick up momentum and traction. But once we picked up momentum and we established these systems and we, we hired these people, now it's like it's, a snowball kind of and it's like rolling downhill and that's the way we feel right now we're trying to keep up with it so how did it feel like when you hit those milestones was there a pause was there a celebration or was it okay off to the next it was kind of like oh shit we hit that milestone a month ago um you know forgot about that but because as you know as you continue to grow that goal that you set a year ago is like it's moving with you Mm. Yeah, you get kind, kind of, of like Darren's hairline. <laughs> <laughs> that's fu- that's funny. You ta- yeah, that's funny you talk about that because that's a that's a topic we've discussed on the show, and, and the title was "I'll be happy when." And so we think that when we set this goal and we accomplish that goal, all of a sudden we're good. But what you're saying for you personally, it's the goal never stops. It just keeps moving mm-hmm. as I grow, as I keep moving, as I keep pushing. The goal just gets bigger and bigger. And so yeah, it feels good. But on to the next thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's part of the game. Like it's, there's never like an end. You hit the goal and you just quit and go to your life. Like I always tell my fiance Steph, like once we get to this point, you know, then we're just gonna be like, we're just gonna relax a little bit. And she's no, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, you're not wired that way. Yeah. Yeah. Are you someone yeah. that s- sits and writes your goals down every day, or how, how do you? How do you go about that? Yeah, yeah he's go. trying to turn this around. Yeah, Humble he brag, here it comes. Yeah. Wait for it. Like my my daily goals, like my long term goals. Do you write anything down, or do you just have it in your head and you're just working every single day? And, and that's why don't you, you do tell it. him what you? No, do no, 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 no. I want to hear what he says. I want to hear what he says. Hey, this is a huge argument, Nick. Within this room, <laughs> so your your answer is going to be the winner. You're yeah, you're the you're the the yeah the tiebreaker. I don't I don't personally write any of my goals down. Ah, there you go. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, I have, like the only thing I really write write down like I have a massive whiteboard in here. It's like my to dos and like future projects or like visions that I have in my head. Mm-hmm. I just take like, little notes like things that we want to create and do. Uh, but I don't write down any of my my goals now. All right, so so thank you for that. By yeah, the way, thanks for um, let me. I'm the one. What they're that. getting at is I sit down each morning and you know for 2020 is I write down what I want to accomplish in 2020. For me, it just helps me stay focused. I see it all day, every single day. But I, I'm not dumb. I don't think that that's the only way to do it. Yeah, and the last one on his list is make sure Darren and Tyler hear this every day that I do write this <laughs> down every single day. <laughs> But all right, so let's talk about people. You mentioned some of your motivation now at BPN is is you've hired some people, all the people within those walls that have helped build this brand to what it is today. But talk about the importance of bringing in the right people and what do you look for as people you onboard within the company? Yeah, so my favorite part 
or not my favorite, but one of my favorite parts of being a business owner now is building a team. Um, I think that will literally make or break your business. It'll make or break everything you do. It's all about, like, for me, it's all about culture and people who believe in the mission and the vision. So I love, like, the phrase, hire slow, fire fast. Because you can bring in one wrong person to business. They can completely change the dynamic of the entire team, change the dynamic of the entire culture. So, like, we really, we hire very, very slow. And it's got to be the right person. Like, we'll bring them in for an interview. We'll fly them in. They hang out with the team for a weekend. We go to dinner together. And at the end, I talk to everyone, like, hey, what do you think of this person? What do you think? Mm-hmm. And it's either like, a, yeah, absolutely, or uh, I don't know. But that's like the most crucial part for us, at least, is building the team the right way with the right people. Because mm-hmm. they have to believe, they have to truly believe in like what the business is trying to accomplish from like a, a bigger perspective approach. Our mission, our vision, what we're trying to do, really, truly believe in it. And like it's not just a job. It's not like, well, I'm here from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. and I go home and do whatever. Like the dudes here, if we do a sale or we get more orders on a normal day, I never have to ask anyone to stay late. They just know, hey, we got to stay late. We got to do the job. Mm-hmm. Like I'll come in here on a Saturday morning sometimes and someone's packing orders. I'm like, dude, go home. It's like, it's Saturday. Like, no, we got to be ready for Monday. It's like these guys are, like, they're dedicated to the team. Uh-huh. And we have really cool dynamics because, I'm, and I was like this in the military too. If you take care of your guys, your guys will take care of you. Yeah. yeah. And if you do these small little things like give them, a, give them a little pay bump or a bonus or buy them lunch or take them on a trip or just do these small things um, and never ask for anything in return, like they appreciate that kind of stuff. And it goes a long way. Mm-hmm. And uh, as soon as work's over, like 4, 4.30 for the day, you know, we have the warehouse gym here. Everyone's getting after it. Everyone's running miles and lifting weights. And then afterwards, we'll go grab margaritas and burgers at Hot Dottie. And it's like, it's a family. And right. I love it. I love Sounds it. like yeah. a dream job. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there you yeah, go, the, Ben. Uh, hey, yeah. what's your application? I'm, I'm moving. Okay. I'm moving. Nick, you hiring right now? I'm coming. But, what, but seriously, what I love that you're talking about is culture. And, and it starts with you. And you've set the tone, not necessarily by words, but by actions. And so everybody that you bring on because you hire slowly they have to fit that mold and they do because they respect you and they see what you've done. So I, what, what would you say is the hardest part of your leadership role or, or now where the business is at this point, what would you say is the hardest part of it? Um, I would say continuing to, to build a team with higher level positions and leaders. Um, because when you when you get to the point or we're getting to the point now we're hiring people of higher positions with more responsibility, you get more of the mm-hmm. head buddy. Mm-hmm. Because you have more you have more educated, you have more experienced and knowledgeable people that are coming at a problem different ways. Where say when you're first getting started and it's more entry level, it's hey, it's what we're gonna do. Okay, let's do that. But as you grow, it's like, well, no, there's a million ways to skin the cat. How are we going to break it down and solve this this issue the most effective way? Mm-hmm. I think that's that's what we're getting, and it's a blessing and maybe a curse too because you have all this insight, all this experience, all this knowledge that can address a situation and solve a problem, but it takes a whole lot longer. And it's not just hey, go execute, go execute. Hey, let's let's sit down and brainstorm. Mm-hmm. One thing we haven't talked about yet is you work with your brother. 
So how, yeah. how do y'all keep from killing each other? And how do y'all get, you guys make that work? Cause it, it, it's obviously working really well. I think we're both, you know, we're both very, very passionate about the brand and where the brand's headed, but our responsibilities are very different. Like within the business, like I'm more so marketing, vision, branding, and then Preston's all logistics, manufacturing, fulfillment. So it's like, I'll go build, you know, my, my focus is building the brand and maintaining the brand awareness and vision. And he's making sure that we can fulfill all of our obligations as we scale. Um, so I think that, that separation of duties and responsibilities is absolutely necessary. So you mentioned brand awareness, building a brand, social media, on social media, man, you, you do an awesome job. I mean, how did you get past, like, I, these two are on me all the time about not posting and, and not being all the way in. How did you, when, when, when did it happen for you to, when you said, listen, I'm going to go all the way in via social media and continue to grow this business? I think like 2000. I started in 2014 and I started my YouTube channel three times before I kept it. So I started it once, posted a video, got criticism, deleted it. Mm, really? Started the second time, started the second time, got criticism, deleted it. Started the third time, got criticism, said, show shit, this is what I got to do. And stuck with it. Um, and then I learned the beast of what it is over time. But, you know, when I started realizing the potential of making YouTube videos and growing a community there, I was like, I, I have to do this. There's no other option than to build a community. Because, like, from a, from a branding perspective, especially like supplements, you know, it gives us a community and a warmer audience. So if we spend any money on marketing, for example, free marketing, we're typically spending that money on a warm audience, an audience that has already seen us, heard of us, knows about our story, seen one of my videos. It's like cold calling. If you go out and serve an ad to a random person who's never heard of you, they're most likely going to skip over it. Mm -hmm. But if we can build a community online by providing them value, and then we do market, it's to a warmer audience. Mm -hmm. Our cost per acquisition is so much less. Yes. Yeah, so, so everybody seems like have their own podcast and their own YouTube channel these days. So for you, were there just enough wins along the way to continue that you, you talked about? You just had to, you just had to do it. But from a social media standpoint, were there just enough wins along the way that kept you going and doing it? Uh, what, what sort of encouragement do you have for those that are, that are wanting to b build their social media presence? Yeah. I mean, so my story, my first, two and a half years on YouTube, creating YouTube videos. And this was about three videos every week for like two and a half years. Um, it three was videos small. a week? It was like, yeah, two or three Goodness. videos a week. That is time consuming. Yeah. So <laughs> over like these two and a half years, I gained like 30,000 subscribers. Small wins across the web. And then when I got to South Korea, one day I picked up my camera and it's filmed my day. I filmed my day, felt nothing of it. I titled it The Day in the Life of an Infantry Platoon Leader. Uploaded it to YouTube. The next day, we were going to the field for 30 days. So I was in the field for 30 days training in South Korea. And I get back from my, in the field training one day, and I'm in the barracks and, or in our, in our bunks. And I like refresh YouTube, my phone, and it says like 40,000 subscribers. I'm like, holy shit, just gained like 10,000 subscribers. So I look at this video that I posted, 
and it's like, you know, it's gaining traction. It's like a hundred thousand views. Next day I, I refresh it. It's like 300,000 views. I mean like 50,000 subscribers. And within 30 days of this video being up, it hit a million views, something like that. And I went from 30,000 subscribers to 80,000 subscribers. I was like, holy shit, like, this is a golden ticket. Like, mm. this is like a break for me. And that was another pivotal point in like my life mm. where after like two and a half years of doing YouTube videos, one video finally got picked up mm -hmm. and, and gained, I gained all this traction from it. And it's funny because the way it got picked up is this military hate group, some thread online, took this video, posted it, and it was making fun of me. And then it got shared a bunch of times, and then it just ended up working out in my favor. Yeah. Okay, hey, the, hater, the haters will make you famous, brother. <laughs> yeah. that, that's so we need as many haters as we possibly that's can. Right. Yeah, that's right. That is exactly right. All right, hey, For talk real. us through. So YouTube is, is foreign to me. Uh, Ben's a little bit more familiar. I don't know and, about YouTube. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll diagram what YouTube is for Darren after the show. But uh, – so explain how that works, right? Because there's all these myths out there. If you hit so many views, then you get revenue from YouTube. And how does that actually work? You've been there. You've seen it. Have you seen any revenue actually come in from YouTube? Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not crazy. I mean, some of these YouTubers that, that used to be getting like millions of views per video, I mean, they were making, they were making a lot of money on YouTube. Uh, but like, you know, for example, Right now, I think my YouTube money, considering all the time that goes into it, mm -hmm. if I have a if a month like this this past month, my check from YouTube is like forty five hundred dollars, mm -hmm. and that's all just based off of views. So it doesn't matter how many subscribers you have; it matters how many views you get. Uh, okay. And if that video is monetizable, so it can't have any copyright music in the background, can't have any copyright music throughout. And if it's monetizable, you can put ads on it and you monetize it, then you'll make money. Back in the day before like the whole ad thing changed, like YouTubers were making like hundreds of thousands a month. Jeez. Um, so if you were doing what you do now, five years ago, I mean, what would that translate to? It's crazy. Cause like five years ago, my YouTube checks were like $2,500 and my, you know, views of like, quadrupled and my money has <laughs> increased that much. Right. Yeah. Okay. Is it just because it's so diluted now that there's so many people doing it? I think it's just the way it's the way ad spend works with companies in views. Something happened with YouTube years ago where it took a massive hit on, on the way people were making money. Um, but I really don't care about the money I make from YouTube videos. It's more so a way for me to make funnel more people into the BPN yeah. story. Right, right, yeah. right, right. It's marketing for you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's all it's all marketing for me. Like if I didn't have the supplement company and I didn't have this brand and stuff, I mean I don't know if I'd do YouTube because the amount of work that a YouTube yeah. video oh, takes yeah. is ridiculous. So yeah, well, let's talk about the future. Let's let's go forward now. What's the future of BPN? What's your vision? I know you wrote it up on the board over there. We can't see the board. But yeah. what's the vision moving forward with BPN? So me and my creative team actually just sat down yesterday and we like discussed this. Because um, we have like a full-time video videographer, photographer, social media guy in the house now, Jordan and Trey. Is he, is he filming and, you on the other side of this right now? No. Oh. no, no. <laughs> so 
the whole vision now it's a lot bigger than it what it used to be. Like when I first started the company, it was we're gonna serve we're gonna create products for everyone who works out. And over time that got more refined. Where now our mission is to serve the modern day athlete, adventure and warrior. Um and our focus, our values are transparency through our products, excellent products, customer service, uh, credibility. So like our vision, our mission of the brand is to literally change lives with our content, our motivation, our educational platforms, through our products, through our stories. Like we wanna be more than just a supplement company. We want to be a brand who's impacting lives all across the world to better them, themselves from a physical and mental standpoint. Because the way we see it, like we have the ability to change the world with what we do. Mm-hmm. Because if we can change the way you feel with supplements in your training, in your nutrition, and we can change the way, the way you feel and perform and the way you act, well, you're probably going to be a, a happier, healthier person. Right, right. Which in turn is going to make you treat your friends and family better and random people in the streets better. So it's like ultimately improving your health, yeah. mm-hmm. your nutrition, your training through that. Our mission is we're changing the world the way we that's see awesome. it. Yeah. And that, that's what, that. that's what drew me is, is this the integrity that, cause again, we talked about earlier, the, the supplement industry is kind of, can, can be kind of a wild west. There's a lot of, you know, shady people, but what drew me to you guys was just the integrity and how you run that, the company and the business and the vision. And so you guys do more than just products. Like you mentioned, you, you have a new, you just released a nutrition course. Uh, you guys are going to be doing strength and conditioning, but specifically on your supplements, because again, you have an audience here that may not know who you are, may not have never heard of BPN. So let's talk specifically on some of your top products. Tyler mentioned it earlier. I was the same way in college. I didn't want to take anything when I was playing ball because I didn't want to get popped on, on a drug test. But right. you guys have taken a step that most companies don't take because I, I, think of like, I think of NFL guys that, you know, every single time they say, yeah, I was just taking something over the counter and I didn't even know it was in there. Mm-hmm. And, and they get popped and they fail the drug test and they got a service suspension. So you guys took an extra step for all your products because we've got a lot of athletes and parents of athletes listen to this. So tell us about that extra step and that certification. So we went through, it's called the BSCG uh, certification, drug-free, banned, substance-free program. BSCG stands for Banned Substance Control Group. So essentially every time we run our products on the manufacturing lines, they get, then get shipped to California to the BSCG lab. At the BSCG lab, they test for like 500 plus uh, drugs, banned substances on the water list. So that when we sell a product, we know it's been tested and certified drug-free, banned substance-free, which allows it to be used by NCAA athletes, professional athletes, UFC, law enforcement, military, CrossFit. So we went through that program, which is something I've wanted to do for for a while now, but it's, it's an investment. It's expensive. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it costs a lot of money and a lot of time. So we went through that process, um, which was huge for us, like massive. So our goal is to be the new standard of what supplements should look like in the industry in terms of athletes and sports performance. So we're creating this new this new program within BPM called uh, we don't know exactly what's gonna be called yet, but it's probably like the bare standard where all of our products now go through BSCG testing. 
Uh, we're transparent with like our certificate of analysis mm -hmm. testing. So when our products are done being tested, we show the testing for microbials and heavy metals. If anyone ever like that buys our stuff, ever needs this stuff, if they send us an email saying, I want to see the testing that was done on this product. Yeah, we'll shoot you a PDF like instantaneously. Um, and we're just becoming more transparent, completely transparent with everything we do from a testing protocol procedure to, to show, hey, this is what our product is. This is how it's been tested. And this is why you should feel safe using it. That's awesome. How is that uh, qualification different than like the NSF certification? Um, and there's a couple more out there too, right? For sports. I think, I think there's three. There's um, NSF. There's informed choice and there's DSCG. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so just from talking, to, we talked to all three of them. We decided to go with BSCG. Mm -hmm. uh, we built we built a relationship with those guys. Uh, we decided to work with them. Okay. All right. So what we hear every day, I mean, I know, I know you guys probably hear it the same, is especially from mothers and uh, you know, for of their kids that are teenagers. You know, my son wants to get on some supplements, mm -hmm. but you know, which ones do, do would yep. you recommend? And, you know, for a guy like me, I always go to Ben. And Ben's the one who introduced me to BPN. But at I just the same say steroid. time. You yeah, just, just say steroid. <laughs> <laughs> Test, D-ball, Winnie. But for all those that are listening right now, because we got moms and dads that, that are mm -hmm. listening to have kids that are, you know, I have a 19-year-old who's looking to gain weight. Uh, give us something. Give us a background. or Give us a, some, some information that, that, that could make them feel comfortable about BPN. Do you, do you want like product recommendations? Yes. Yeah. 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 If I'm a, if I'm a high school kid and I, I stumble on your website, where do I go? What do, what do I need to look for? Or a 35 year old gaining weight and uh, <laughs> becoming less athletic by the day <laughs> and losing his hair. As the, in the meantime. <laughs> so anyway, you, get, you go to any supplement site, you go to our site and someone new might be overwhelmed. We try to break down as much as possible and funnel people into what their goals are. Um, I think for one, uh, a protein powder, a whey protein powder. Now, Protein powders aren't even considered dietary supplements. They're technically foods mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. it's derived from from milk and the cheese production process. Um, so, like protein powder is technically a food item. So, like our protein powders, uh, we use an 88% whey, a 12% casein blend. The reason we do this is because it makes it a little bit more thicker, better consistency, almost like a milkshake. Mm -hmm. um, it it bakes better. And uh, your whey protein is fast digesting. Your casein protein is slower digesting, so you get a sustained release protein. All our protein is DSCG certified, banned substance free. But like, there's no reason that anyone can't use a protein powder because it is technically a food item. Mm -hmm. now, if you're drinking milk or eating cheese, you're consuming whey and casein protein. Mm -hmm. uh, so protein would be the first one. For anyone, I would also consider like strong green, strong red, um, our multivitamin strong joints. So like we created this whole strong health line series, which was made for anyone to be able to use. If like you don't have to go to the gym, you don't have to even train to use this stuff. It will just improve the way you feel like every single day. Those are the products that we cannot literally keep stocked fast enough. Right. Right. We're right. selling through like strong greens, like 10,000 bottles a month of strong greens because Goodness. you know, people try it and they realize you know, I'm actually, I feel absolutely amazing from taking this. Right. And it's like, no, go ahead. Sorry. So we call them like nutrient powerhouses. They're packed with like vitamins, minerals, essential nutrients are going to improve 
your natural energy without caffeine, uh, improve your digestive system. Uh, your stomach's going to feel better. You're not going to feel bloated and gassy. And you're just packed with vitamins, minerals, antioxidants to help you feel better every single day. Mm-hmm. You're, getting about- a, you're getting the amens on the strong greens, brother. Hey, you're over here preaching to the cookie. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Talk to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, about, what about your pre-workout line? As, as an athlete, is that something that I can take safely, you know, if I'm a high school or college age athlete? Yeah, I mean, it depends on young. Like, we have people's parents calling, like, hey, my son's 15 years old. Should he take pre-workout? Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with our pre-workout. It's banned substance free. It's drug free. But should your 14, 15-year-old son be taking, you know, 300 milligrams of caffeine? Probably not. No. Maybe start with, like, half a scoop of, <laughs> you know, maybe start with half a scoop at all, but you know, caffeine's that one thing where younger kids probably don't need much caffeine. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would say, like, if anything, um, like, Endo Pump is one of our, our pre-workout supplements that's stimulant-free or intraflate, which is branched-chain amino acids that we offer. So, like, for younger kids, I'd say stay away from caffeine stimulants mm-hmm. until you're at least, like, 18 years old. Got it. Okay. And from a recovery standpoint, what do you guys – what what would you suggest – you know, these kids, especially in Texas, right? Like football is, is, is life here. And so they're about to go through training camp here in a couple months. Um, you know, from a recovery standpoint, what would you suggest? Obviously you've got the whey protein, but what else from a recovery standpoint? So we just launched, um, a carbohydrate and electrolyte powder, which we, we created for like our endurance fund runners, cyclists, rowers, but like for like athletes, like football players, especially in the Texas heat, that's absolutely like perfect. It's yeah. It's a fast, fast gas emptying carb source called clusterdextrin, and then a full electrolyte profile. Uh, 350 milligrams of sodium being supplied from pink Himalayan sea salt, and then uh, all of our other electrolytes are coming from Trax, who is like a, a patented, uh, tested chelate mineral company. Mm-hmm. So like it's called Go One More Sport. It's a high quality carb source, high quality electrolytes. A lot of people think like, oh, we'll just drink Gatorade. Well, Gatorade's like, it's cheap, shitty electrolytes. Mm. And it's sugar. And too much of that is going to kill and destroy your stomach. It's like what I found training for an Ironman was if I was consuming too many low quality or poor quality carbohydrates while I was cycling, my stomach would be wrecked. Mm. So we experimented with all these different carbohydrate sources. We found cluster dextrin, which empties through the gut very quickly. So you don't get that distress, hmm. but like G1M sport is perfect for, for athletes. Talk through. So this carbohydrate deal, right? There's like keto and there's all these things and like carbohydrates for so many people is this negative connotation, you know, especially in our culture that's very focused on appearance and all that. Talk through the importance of carbohydrates for especially young athletes. Yeah. I mean, there's this hate on carbs right now from like the keto community and other communities and, you know, diet and nutrition is it's specific to the individual. Like some people feel better on higher carb, lower fat. Some people feel better on the other way around, lower carb, higher fat. You have to find what works for you. But by no means should you be afraid of carbs. Carbs are a readily available fuel source. And especially for athletes, if you're, you know, your body stores carbs as glycogen in your muscles and in your liver. And that's like carbohydrates that you'll pull from if you don't have any readily available in your blood and move it to your body. 
But if you can provide it this quick energy source that's readily available, readily available to break down, well, that's just going to fuel you more efficiently. So the body works in different ways. Like when you start, when you go keto, for example, and you rely on, on fat, your body becomes more efficient at breaking down fat uses fuel. Mm-hmm. But if you don't go through that period and you're feeding it carbs on a regular basis, your body will use carbs more efficiently than fat. Mm-hmm. But I'm pro carbs. I think like using carbs to your advantage for training, uh, pre-workout, intra-workout, post-workout, absolutely. It's a readily available energy source that you can keep your body moving so you're not breaking into your glycogen stores and your muscle and your liver. That's interesting. You know what's yeah. interesting is, is listening to you because you know your body, especially you know training for Ironmans. You you have to, <laughs> you really need to know know what your body can and cannot do and what it can take and what it can't take. But for those, there's so many people that are out there right now who just it's it's almost it's unbelievable how many people that are out there, including self, that really don't know the body in, in a way that you need to be educated. So I understand. I, one thing I totally understand is is BPN is creating a community. Mm-hmm. And when you can create a community, there's knowledge, there's information uh, that's out there. How do you continue to push that community feeling out there to, to bring in uh, the, the, the people that have just a lack of information? I mean, one of the things we did in this last 30 days is launch our ambassador platform. You know, we launched this ambassador platform, bring people on the team that are creating valuable content, that are helping people reach their goals, who are, are driven to reach their goals. And the ambassador platform has been amazing where it's like super engaging, where it's like an ambassador will go on and, and comment on someone who tags VPN. Just like, hey man, here's a little tip. Maybe you want to try this for your, your recipes. Try this for your lifting. Here's the motivation to keep you going. It's like we're building these internal leaders within the brand mm-hmm. to keep reaching out and helping, helping each other because I can only do so much reaching out. My team can only do so much reaching out, but if Gibbs you, Fitness Ten can do that, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah know, man, we're we're, build, we're building these leaders within the brand to keep putting fingers out and grab more people, yeah. which ultimately builds this community. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up, man, I mean, you 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 truly do have a the you know the American Dream story, and and doing this podcast and talking to you know the, the different people that we've talked to. It, and we and we mentioned it earlier. Methods are many, but principles are few. And so what we're hearing is is everybody has a story. Everybody's gone through things, but the common theme throughout is they didn't quit. They kept pushing on, and they just kept doing it. And so that's what your story is to me. It's it's a it's a great example of no matter what happens, if it's important to you, you're not going to quit, and you're going to keep going through it. So as you look back on your journey, and this is kind of the the, the finishing question we like to ask all of our guests. As you look back on your journey, if you could go back to any point in your life and tell yourself one thing, doesn't mean you want to change something, but just tell yourself one thing. Where do you go and what do you tell yourself? I'd probably go back to 2017 where, um, where it felt like Christmas every day. And, you know, we weren't making a lot of money. I still wasn't paying myself. This was five years into the brand. I didn't pay myself for the first five years of the business. And, um, Everything we were doing, we were absolutely loving. We thought we were killing it. Like we thought we were absolutely slaying the industry. And looking back, <laughs> so ignorant. I'd probably just go back and say, "Hey, man, you're on the right path. Just keep going." Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
like, like a pat on the back saying like yeah, I didn't need motivation to keep driving through it but it was like hey man you're, you're doing the right thing yeah love that at the time it felt right I knew it was right and I was hoping that it put me in this position one day um but it's, I mean every day I, every day at some point in my life like, usually when I'm on a run I look back like these past eight years so like, this has been the craziest wild ride of my life like I can't believe we're we're here from where we started. Mm, that's yeah, awesome, man. That's yeah. awesome. Well, we love your story, man. We're big. We're big supporters of BPN and what you guys are doing, and 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 uh, we really appreciate your time and coming on today. Yeah, just yeah, like like Ben said, you got fans over here, and we'll push uh, BPN and 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 get your story out there to as many people as possible because you are unique in the industry that you're at and, and your vision to impact, not just people and working out and, you know, getting, getting the results that they want, but creating a better plan. Yeah. Man. And, and I really appreciate that perspective true, because, because it's so true. I mean, my wife will tell me if I'm not like healthy and working out and fit, like I don't like being around mm-hmm. you. You're yeah. not that. <laughs> I don't think anyone <laughs> likes being around that's you. True. To be that's, true. that's true. But yeah, I, listen, this is what I think about BPM, man. Full transparency. And, if I can get transparency uh, about a product and, and, and I know that, that you're Nick, you're willing to, to give and to serve. And there's so many kids that are out there right now. And we get asked as not, mm-hmm. we're not even close to being experts, but we get asked a thousand times a day, you know, what can little Timmy take and what I'm sending them to you, brother. So you know, you just keep on serving and take care of this, these people out there. No, I appreciate you guys. Thanks. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, man, of course, thanks, Nick. Appreciate you. Oh.